Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory. And again, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. People were asking me last night when I got in from work, which I was pretty darn tired when I got in, but uh, they uh, kept asking me, uh, what are you going to talk about tomorrow? <laughs> and I kept saying, I don't know. And uh, I woke up this morning wondering what I was going to talk about. I have all kinds of subject matter and things that I've been writing this week and posting and and putting up and uh, and been uh, researching but uh, what I'm going to talk about on a given day a lot of times I don't know till I start talking and that's actually the way Christ said that we were supposed to do it that we're not supposed to you know rehearse and prepare what we're going to say necessarily but it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to learn and think about subject matter so that we might have something intelligent to say but um, we are given a mind to perceive things but we're that mind of course those of you who listen regularly we know that that brain sitting up there in the top of your head and all the nerve endings that go down to your feet and your fingers and and uh, are connected to your brain and are the source of your sensory perception of reality and the world around you. That's all part of the tree of knowledge. And that is the tree of knowledge. That is, when you can eat of that tree of knowledge, you get to decide for yourself what is good and evil. But we're supposed to be eating of the tree of life, which looks almost identical to the tree of knowledge, <laughs> because... It is the tree of the Spirit. The tree of the Holy Spirit. is It's our spiritual existence that exists within this physical body. And everything in the universe has a, a spiritual aspect to it. The universe itself has a spiritual aspect to it. And of course we refer to that spiritual aspect as God. That is the... Spirit of God is moving through all creation and has brought creation about. The Spirit of God breathed upon the waters and then there was life. And that is the source of the pattern of the universe. It's all built from the pattern laid down by God. Now, one of the the amazing things about whoever this God is, this Yahweh, this Yadevahe is... He has evidently given us some sort of free will, some sort of choice. And as we said before, you can't have love without choice. You know, you're just a puppet if you don't have any choice. You're just just a product of your environment. And we could be just, you know, random molecules bouncing around until they form cells and the cells eventually evolved out of a primordial slime and then we ended up walking out of the ocean and developed legs and eventually became human beings over billions and billions of years. I suppose that could have happened. I can't see all the way back in history to determine if that happens. But it doesn't really make any sense to me. 
it, it makes sense to me that there is a divine plan that has given us consciousness. I think, therefore I am. I think I am, therefore I am. I think I am, so therefore I exist. In, and now the question is, do I actually make choices? Or are my choices merely a product of all the sensory information that is fed into my brain and the synapses connect, connecting and clicking away like some sort of a computer? And I don't actually make any choices. But according to what we know in the Bible, it says that God breathed into us as well. He didn't just breathe upon the water and create all life. He breathed into us and gave us some sort of additional life and immediately starts listing off choices that we have, as well as jobs. He gives us a job. He gives us dominion over the fishes and over the creepy things on the ground and the birds in the air. And we have dominion over them. And we are to dress and keep this whole realm that he has put us in. And uh, But he's also given us this choice of eating from the tree of life. And that word life is an interesting word. It's translated a lot of different ways in the Hebrew. And they add a lot of different letters in the Hebrew, which adds different meaning. And it's translated a number of different ways in the Bible. Uh, sometimes depending on those extra letters that they throw in there. And sometimes for some sort of arbitrary reason, what you'd have to ask the translators. But the reality is, is this tree of life, we can eat of that, or we can eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the knowledge comes by way of the those sensory perceptions of our eyes and our, our touch and our ears. And uh, we get this information as well as what we've been taught our whole life and and maybe a little bit of what our parents were taught because we inherit, you know, we inherit eye color and and sometimes mental capacity. If your your parents were really intelligent, high IQ people, you might be really intelligent, high IQ person as well. Although I'm sure you can do a lot of things to change that. <laughs> and maybe you're not identical because you have grandparents and great-grandparents and they've all had an influence on you. And I guess we can go back to that primordial slime when you were just a creature crawling out of the mud. That that had some sort of influence on you. Like the uh, famous Jordan Peterson lobsters. And of course now he's not saying that we're lobsters. But he's saying some of the same mechanisms, physical mechanisms of the secretion of hormones that give us aggression or retreat or fear or all these different things, these reactions that we have, are identically operating in the lobster, which is supposedly one of the older creatures on the earth. So why are we even going down this road of talking about this tree of knowledge or the tree of life? And that's because we're going to talk about trust. <laughs> and, that, and that partially comes from somebody who sent me an email. And uh, we have a network. Everybody should join the network. You go to preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org. Click on the network links and join the network. And uh, 
it's an email network based on geography. So if you join in Texas, you'll be connected with people in Texas and some of the neighboring states. If you join in Canada, you'll be connected with some of the people on the network that uh, live in Canada. And there are different people on the, these different groups or Australia or wherever you're at. But uh, should you trust everybody on that network? No. You, should you get to know some of those people on the network and help them get to know you so that you can learn to trust them? Well, yes and no. Because one of the things that the person wrote was that they trusted, I, I don't know if they trusted me or trusted somebody, I'm not sure how they were wording, I don't have the email right in front of me. But then all of a sudden, a little while later, I got an email where they changed their mind. And of course, we are supposed to change our mind. That's what repentance, the word repentance that we see means. It means changing the mind. But what are we supposed to change it to? And if you trusted this person, but now you don't trust this person, should you have trusted the person to begin with? And in reality, I I wrote back uh, an email. I don't respond to all the private emails that people send me. I, I mean, I get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I get letters that I'm supposed to respond to. And we'll eventually get into one of the things I wrote in response to somebody's letter. But, uh, you know, trust, faith, allegiance, I have pages on all those things. Uh, they all really kind of have overlapping meaning. So when we say trust, do we mean we have faith in somebody? Well, you can have faith, you know, like I have faith in my kids. But not the same kind of faith I have in God. <laughs> Just, I have faith that they will make right choices, and I hope, because the faith I have with him is them is also incorporated with this word hope. And uh, if they don't always make the right decisions, I will ha- hopefully have charity. So there you have faith, hope, and charity, something that Christ mentioned all the time. And so those things are overlapping ideas, and so we can say words like trust. What do we mean? We can say words like faith. Are you supposed to have faith in people? Well, faith in who they are. I, I remember meeting a guy named Schwartz years and years ago. He wrote a book. I was trying to think. I, I, I met him when I met Herb Philbrick, who was the character in the old uh, book and TV show. And I think they even made a movie about him. Uh, I Led Three Lives. He was, you know, this spy, counter spy. A kind of guy, and I, I had Thanksgiving dinner with them both and, uh, several other people once. And, but, uh, Schwartz wrote a book, You Can Trust a Communist to Be a Communist. <laughs> so, anyway, which is kind of a clever title. And you can trust a socialist to be a socialist, and, uh, uh you can't always trust an atheist to be an atheist, but, uh, the point is, is that trusting somebody there are limitations on how far you're supposed to trust them. So there may be certain people that you trust, you know, like uh, I have a daughter-in-law visiting and her mother is watching their dog while they're visiting uh, with my son. Well, she evidently trusts her mother with her dog. <laughs> so I think she's house-sitting with the dog, so I think she's actually in the house too, so they trust her to do that. But it's not the same kind of trust and faith that you have in God. It or or so there are limits to that. So when she says she trusts this other person, when they said she trusts somebody, uh, 
and then she says she changed her mind. Well, how much do you trust them and how much you don't? So anyway, when I wrote her back, I, I, I suggested you're not supposed to trust anyone but God. So when I meet somebody, do I trust them? Do I not trust them? Well, I ask God. And it's because I trust God. I trust the Holy Spirit to tell me, should I trust this person or should I not trust this person? And if I succumb to, you know, their appearance and their demeanor and and my own imagination, I may trust them more than I really should. But then that's just a reminder I need to trust God and need to ask God, is this person really trustworthy? God doesn't always give me the answer or, or a complete answer. And so I only trust them. So every time uh, they say they're going to do something or they're not going to do something or they're telling me something that they believe is true, I have to always return to this spirit and ask this spirit and not depend upon my own personal intellect in deciding who I trust and who I don't trust. Because I don't really trust anybody in the same way I trust God. I don't even trust myself. And this is a question that everybody asks me. How do you know it's the Holy Spirit? How do you know this feeling you have in you is based on the Holy Spirit? Or it's based on you eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And that you're being fooled by your own imagination. How do you know? Well, we talk about that in a lot of different ways and a lot of different times. And there's a lot of people who think they're born again. And we had a whole show on John 3. You can you can look it up uh, at Preparing You. That we have the recordings up. I think that we have all of them up. I've been trying to do that as well, get all the recordings in the proper place. We have all the recordings all the way back to, whatever, 2010. <laughs> so we have lots of recordings. And they're usually on different subjects or different parts of... Uh, you know, the Bible, you know, the prophets or the epistles. Or, and uh, we, so we put those audios with it along with notes so that you can study those and take a look at it from our point of view. You're not supposed to trust us. You're supposed to trust in that Holy Spirit. But what happens is that when you read John 3 that talks about being born again if you read far enough in there it says if you're still doing evil you're not born again well I've had people tell me that they're born again and I says well you're not acting like it and they say well even though I I still sin because I'm born again it doesn't count because I'm saved and I can't lose that salvation that's a doctrine that's floating around that's not what the Bible says but people hear that and they like to hear that and they like to believe that, so they go with that. <laughs> so, but it's very clear when they're talking about being born again, if you want to know if you're really born again, are you still doing evil? And then we can start talking about all the things that Christ suggested were evil that people today say is good. Because we knew in the last days they would say that you know, the last days of almost anybody. I mean, it's not just in the last days. It's all the time. They call evil good and good evil. And today, in our time, that is rampant. 
where good is evil and evil is good. Like some people think it is good to reduce the world population by several billion people. Quite a few billion people. Six billion people. Get rid of all those people. That would be good. I don't really think that's a good idea. <laughs> I think that's, especially if you're going to do it by murdering them. That would not be good. That would be bad because you're not supposed to be murdering people. You're not supposed to be killing people. But people are dying and a lot of people are dying because of the way people are dressing and keeping things because of what they're doing. But what are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be seeking the righteousness of God and it's not righteous to covet your neighbor's goods. So anybody who coveting their neighbor's goods or desiring benefits at the expense of their neighbor and praying or applying to men who exercise authority one over the other to force their neighbor to contribute to their welfare is obviously doing evil. They're workers of iniquity. They're doing contrary to the commands of Christ, the commands of God, the commands of Paul, <laughs> James, Peter. They're doing contrary because they all said you weren't to covet. But people covet and they, they don't even see it. They don't even see that they're desiring benefits at the expense of their neighbor. And depending for their livelihood on the property of their neighbor. You know, property tax to get free school and free education. You know, they don't see there's something wrong with that. And we've explained when we talked about social bonds that if you go that way, you break down the social bonds of society. And anybody who goes that way is clearly not trusting in the way, which is what Christianity used to be called. They're not trusting in Jesus Christ. They're not trusting in the the statements of God about not coveting. They're They're not trusting in any of these things. They're deciding for themselves what is good and evil, and they think it's good to force your neighbor to contribute to their welfare. Absolutely insane. Which is a part of this, gonna be a part of this topic, cause people are insane. They, they are suffering from a psychosis. And what that really, you know, Jesus didn't use the word psychosis, but he said they're sitting in darkness. They can't see Reality. I mean, they could, but they have made the choice, this is where the choice comes in, not to see the truth. Not to see reality. That's their choice, not to see reality. And they have chosen to sit in darkness. Amazing. So, how can you be tested without interaction? We we have to be tested. We have to test ourselves. We're supposed to test all things. First Corinthians one ten says, Now I beseech thee, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no division amongst you, but that ye be perfectly joined together, in the same mind and in the same judgment. Well, if your congregation are not all joined together in the same mind or the same judgment, do you abandon the congregation? Well, if you think the answer is yes, well, then you probably join the congregation for the wrong reason. 
you wanted to get something from the congregation rather than bring something. <laughs> You're supposed to be bringing the reasonability of Christ, the thought, mind of Christ to it. It's kind of like children. If you if you have children and one of your children is really a troublemaker and all this stuff, do you just abandon it on the side of the road and just leave it there? Well, I don't like that kid. He's just not doing everything I tell him to do the way I say to do it. So I'm just going to dump him on the side of the road. And he can just fend for himself. Well, no, you don't do that. You... You work with the kid for for at least 18 years. You try to bring him around to reason. And most uh, most good parents will continue to work until they're 80 years old <laughs> if, if they make it that far. But the reality is is that, no, you don't abandon your the congregation you freely assemble with. You, you're, because if you come in the name of Christ, you come that they might be saved. Because that's why Christ came. He came that we might be saved, so then we gather together in congregation so that others might be saved. You don't have to compromise what you believe, there's freedom of speech. But you say what you believe, and they say what they believe, and if they think you're all wet, they can tell you that. If you think they're all wet, you can tell them that. But it's kind of like a commitment because you have to care about somebody more than yourself. And if you started assembling with a congregation, that probably, and they're in your area, that's probably the ones you ought to work with. Second Corinthians 13, verse 11 says, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. See, it's not so much about trusting the other people in your congregation. It's about you becoming trustworthy to others. Because they know from experience with you that you come in love and peace. And that you are trying to find out what the mind of Christ is. And you are trying to state what you believe the mind of Christ is according to the leading of the Holy Spirit in you. And if it's not the Holy Spirit leading you, then you're going to bump into maybe the Holy Spirit in one of them. Or maybe in several of them. And there's going to be conflict. But if you've made the commitment to love your neighbor as yourself, well, at least start with the congregation that you've assembled with. Now, again, the motivation of gathering together in the name of Christ has to be gathering together in the character of Christ for the purposes of Christ in the way that Christ would gather. So that not so much that you trust all of them, but so that they can learn whether or not you're trustworthy. And when you do this, you may find out that you're not as trustworthy as you thought. You may think a thought one day and the next day you've changed your mind. You don't want to be changing your mind all the time. You want God to be changing your mind all the time. You want to be listening to that Holy Spirit. And we know in order to listen to that Holy Spirit, you have to be still and know. But also you need to walk in the ways of Christ. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom.
Well, welcome back to the Keys of the Kingdom. So, when we're trying to find out who to trust, uh, we have to be trusting first in God. If we don't, we we may find ourselves misled, and we may find ourselves in darkness. And uh, if we look at Second Timothy three seventeen, that man of God may be perfect. Uh, truly furnished unto all good works. We need to be furnished unto all good works. And if we're not, the congregation may point that out. (laughs) Members of the congregation, hopefully some of them have the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a reason Christ sent his apostles, his disciples out too together. Is so that you know, iron sharpens iron. And they were going to have to, they they are also supposed to be two witnesses. Like Barnabas and, and Paul were sent out together. And they evidently had some sort of a conflict because they didn't get along all the time. They had some sort of a beef. I don't know how serious it got. But uh, you have very strong-minded people and willful people. And uh, supposedly opinionated people, and they may come up with different conclusions. And of course, now we've talked about the mountains of Samaria in the Bible, and you know they're first mentioned in Second uh, Kings two twenty five, where they're talking about uh, you know uh, returning to the Mount uh, Carmel, and from thence he returned to Samaria. Those are those are like geographical locations that they're talking about. But uh, in Jeremiah, they specifically say, uh, shall yet plant vines upon the mountains of Samaria. Those are more s- symbolic. Uh, that Those are metaphors. And, and Amos especially, and we've done a study on Amos. You can look that up at Preparing You. But uh, they talk about... Uh, the palaces of Ashad and uh, and the palace in the land of Egypt, which is the land of bondage, and say, assemble yourselves upon the mountains of Samaria and behold the great tumult in the midst thereof. And he eventually goes and says, and trust in the mountains of Samaria which are named chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. Well, Amos, he's he's talking about woe unto those people who do that. Because in his at his time, the mountains of Samaria, which are supposed to be those who gather to tell you the truth, are not telling you the truth. That they are telling you a lie, and you've trusted in them. So, in, over the last several years, we've talked about a lot of the reports that come out of the news and come out of uh, the media and come out of government as well, have been telling you what they say is true, and a lot of people are beginning to realize that that's not true. And But the question is not so much, I mean, it's great to know what's not true, but it's more important to find out what is true. And so... What mountains of Samaria, what people are you listening to? No matter if it's us or if it's somebody else. I mean, we published a lot of stuff early on, a lot of the things that P. 
people are coming out with today, and uh, we've talked about it in previous shows uh, concerning the uh, vaccinations and jabs and all this kind of stuff. Many of the things that they're beginning to discover now, we said long before they were in the news. And we gave you the sources of where we were getting it. We said, we don't want you to believe us. And, and some of the sources, they may not be trustworthy either, but, you know, like uh, Dr. Suzuki, who did the st- more studies about spike proteins and COVID than almost any other doctor I've come across, was publishing way back in uh, 2020 concerning the spike protein that it would do all the damage to the people. And, of course, now we found out that some people are actually allergic to the spike protein. It causes an allergic reaction. Even after you're getting better from COVID, the spike protein is floating around in your body as it as those viruses are broken down by your body's immune system. And some people develop an allergic reaction to that protein, just like you get an allergic reaction to peanuts. And doctors have found that they... Uh, they could treat the person for a regular allergy. But, of course, now, if you were to go even farther back, you know, a lot of your allergies, a lot of asthma, a lot of these problems, sometimes we see those actually just disappear when people change lifestyle, change things that they do without medication. They disappear. I actually did an interview with a doctor, a couple of interviews now with a doctor. They'll be airing... Uh, the last couple, the last Monday of this uh, month and then into the next month, at least that's the last we heard that they will be airing. But uh, he, uh, and if join the network if you want to find out, we'll publish it on the network so you can find out where you can hear these. Uh, that's one of the reasons why you should join the network. Ultimately, you want to be gathering in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ commanded, like the early church did. Because there were plagues and dearths and economic collapses in the Roman Empire. And the Christians were able not only to survive, but thrive during that period of time. Because they were actually doing what Christ said. Not just imagining that they're born again or that they believe in Jesus. They actually believed so much in Jesus that they were doing what Jesus said. And they were happy to do what Jesus said. Because they trusted in the real Jesus. They didn't trust in a manufactured Jesus uh, created by people who want you to join their denomination. We have no denomination here except Christ. Christ is our denominator. And if we're wrong about something, we want people to point it out and tell us. I mean, obviously, I'm sure there are people out there telling people that we're wrong about all kinds of stuff. But if they haven't told us yet... (laughs) Then they don't love their neighbor as themselves. They, I mean, it's like you see somebody headed for a cliff and you don't want to bother them, so you just let them keep going towards the cliff. <laughs> That's not love, folks. I don't, don't need to spell that out. But this idea of who do you trust, it's the Holy Spirit, because that's the comforter. That's who Christ sent. How do you Get the comforter to come to you. How do you know that it's the comforter talking to you? How do you know it's the comforter, the Holy Spirit telling you who to trust and who not to trust? Well, by what you do. 
Are you doing what Christ said to do? Are you gathering together because you love your neighbor and your neighbor's rights and your neighbor's children and your neighbor's children's rights as much as you love your own and your own children? And if you're not gathering together, you probably will not be ready for whatever's coming. You know, I mean, we've we've seen all kinds of evidence that all kinds of strange things are going on in the world today. I mean, if you... I've been to a grocery store lately. I actually was in one grocery store, probably the first one in in two or three months, and uh, I saw people wearing masks, and that was just so foreign to us because we don't wear masks out here. <laughs> you know, if, it, if it's twenty below and blowing, we might put a scarf over our face, but uh, other than that, we're we're not going to be wearing masks out here for anything, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, I mean, we don't celebrate Halloween, so why are we putting on masks? So, anyway, the, uh, you know, like in the news today, I, I do get some news that, you know, Epoch Times and all the, these guys, and, and then a lot of people send us information. But, uh, they have one article, Federal Government, Mum on non-COVID mortality spike in American ages 18 to 49. And, uh, I read briefly read that article went down and evidently there's a lot of people dying from fentanyl a lot more than normal well of course the borders are open and the fentanyl's just coming across and it's available everywhere and people cut it with different things and people don't realize how toxic it can be so overdosing is very possible and you know, we're talking hundreds of thousands of people well at least a hundred thousand people die from it, I mean George Floyd. Died, George Floyd died of fentanyl poisoning. Uh, you saw it in his mouth, and classic symptoms. You start breathing. That you get really tired, and you have to lay down, and then you stop breathing. That that's what happens when you take too much fentanyl. And the autopsy showed that he had three times the lethal dose in him of fentanyl. So yeah, he died of fentanyl poisoning, which he put in his own mouth. He's done that before. Uh, and it's available because it's coming across the border. But is the fact that the border is open why he died? No, it's because he put it in his mouth is why he died. Well, now the question is why did he put it in his mouth? Because he thought it would make him feel good or be happy or something. He thought it was somehow to his advantage. He wasn't trying to kill himself consciously, but he was. And so, why do people go to church? A lot of people go to church to feel good. That isn't why you're supposed to be going to church. So, the problem in America is not that the borders are open. The problem is the is the fact that most of the people who say they're Christians aren't doing what Christ said. Because I can tell you this, if all the people who said they were Christians were actually following the directives of Christ... You would not be having the problems you're having today. Some people think that if we go back to the Constitution, all the problems that we're having today will go away. Not really. I don't think so. I don't see that. We can go into that, but we're not going to go into that now. There was another article, Physicians Speaks Out Against 
vaccine mandates for all, especially children and those with natural immunity. Uh, Dr. Malone spoke out about vaccinating your children. Didn't think it was a good idea. Matter of fact, he warns that it's a very bad idea and it's a, an irreversible event. Still, people are doing it. And children have died. Children have died in families. I, I know of one couple that both of them, I actually, now I know more than one that this has happened. A uh, little bit more obvious with the first one. Both parents got vaccinated. The whole family was isolated, which was a mother and father and one child. And they got sick from the vaccination. Not seriously ill, but they definitely were sick and running fevers. And next thing you know, their daughter got sick. Their 10-year-old daughter got sick. She was dead in 10 days from COVID-like symptoms. And they thought, if we had only got her a vaccine, then she wouldn't have died. I think it was because they got a vaccine that she did die. Because the vaccine is in, and Malone was saying this, if you want to hear the video, I actually downloaded it. I sent, I I assume it will be censored, but I, I sent it to the ministers so that they could see it. Uh, there's a short version and I have the longer version. I don't know if I've sent that out, but I have the longer version. I can send it to anybody. But, um, uh, very clear that, uh, you're being injected with a synthetic viral agent that your body is supposed to start replicating. And when it replicates, you're just as contagious with that as you are with any flu, anything that you're replicating. And you can pa- pass it on to somebody else. Now, supposedly, it's it shouldn't be coming out of your lungs because it's actually getting your muscle tissues to replicate. But it probably is coming out your lungs and getting on your skin and in your saliva and everything else. There's a number of different ways that this all happens. But... Uh, the reality is now we I just got the data from the government last night because I have people in government who send me stuff that uh, vaccine they're vaccinating children between five and eleven in Oregon and I got the data uh, feedback from the counties and our county has less people vaccinated less percentage of children vaccinated than anywhere else. <laughs> in the state of Oregon. Uh, As a matter of fact, there's so few children got the vaccine that we don't even show up with a single percentage point. So it's 0%. Although there were 27 children vaccinated in this county uh, between the ages of 5 and 11, we, we can't look at medical records, but it appears that this is mostly children in the custody of the state. But I think that to us, we were all very elated that there were so few of those vaccinations. And I'm, I was told by somebody, actually in another county, that this is because of the information we've been putting out. But again, we don't want you to trust us. We're not your doctor. But we want you to look for yourself. Because the kingdom, seeking the kingdom is about seeking personal responsibility. But 
Also in the news, we saw numerous stories now. I mean, I get them every single day. I hear about them uh, all across the country of people who go into the hospital and the hospital won't release them, keep them there, uh, start to drug them, sometimes to the point of incapacitation where they can't even speak for themselves anymore. Uh, and they, if they're not injected, they inject them. And some people have been double injected because they didn't know that they were already injected. And when I say double, I mean like that would be quadruple because they've now gotten four of the vaccines. <laughs> uh, we had an uh, elderly lady who broke her hip, rushed to the hospital, and the uh, hospital sent her to another hospital outside of the county. And uh, because the doctors in this county are, are torn, I mean, we've actually had shouting matches in the hospital where some doctors want everybody vaccinated and the others are saying, no, it's an absolute individual choice. I I have very little doubt that some of that argument is taking place because of the information we've been feeding through, which is all top sources, top epidemiologists in the country, uh, people with more degrees and uh, uh, scientific background and credentials than anybody you hear about in the news. Certainly any fact checkers as you normally see. But uh, anyway, when they were in another county hospital, the, uh, from what we understand, they've been vaccinated. And now they can't hardly talk. Uh, they're having blood clots. Uh, they're they're putting on more and more medication and they may never come home. Even though the hip break was not that severe, they just simply uh, put a bolt in it, uh, you know, fastener connected so that it would heal. And it was healing. She actually was standing. Now she can't stand. She can't barely talk. And she is rapidly going downhill uh, under medical care. Which brings me to another topic, which is, we're still on the topic of who do you trust. I also sent to the minister group, so if you're in a congregation, you can get this information, that everybody should start thinking about, in your family, getting a a POA, or sometimes they call it an MPOA, a medical power of attorney document, filled out with signatories, your signature and other people's signature, or your children, the signature, so that if you're in a car accident, you, for some reason or other, you end up in a hospital, maybe unconscious, you have people that will go and advocate, and they have the power to do it, because you have given them a medical power of attorney to come in there and see and say, no, they don't want this, no, they don't want that, no, we don't want this doctor. We want to transfer out of this hospital to another hospital. Somebody in Michigan, he was literally being killed. Another person in Virginia, I could name several other states, they were being killed by the treatment. They were being kept from treatment that would help them. And nobody could do anything about it. Uh, they had to go to court. Cost all kinds of money, hire lawyers, cost all kinds of money, go to congressmen, if you can find them, that will be on your side. And finally the press, and then eventually they got some of these people out of the custody and control of these 
medical people who had already received, according to some, $100,000 in benefits from the government because they said they were COVID even though they tested negative. They said they had to be on a ventilator even though they didn't want to be. And they just took over. And every time they move into one, and if they die with COVID on a ventilator in their hospital, they're going to get all kinds of money. So, now, that's terrible to say about people in the medical profession, but people are under a strong delusion about a lot of things. And it only gets worse. It gets darker and darker and darker. If you have this medical POA, this power of attorney, if you have several people that have You've turned this power over to. You could have several people who could advocate in your congregations. You might have some people that are a lot better at it than others. And you can give them that power of attorney. And they can go in and get you out. And now we're making connections with people who will take you in. That was one of the things. A fellow in Michigan got taken in by a doctor in Texas. And these doctors that are seeing the light and finding alternatives, finding other things. Uh, the guy that was in Michigan, he, who's already getting better within the first 48 hours of being in Texas. He was showing vast improvements over what they had done. But now some of the damage is probably irreversible. We don't know. We'll have to see. But you, these are things, and that this is just the tip of the iceberg. That, you know, our, our website, the one website is preparing you. Preparing you for what? Preparing, pre- we prepared people so that they would, we prepared them for the vaccine so that they would know what is actually in it and what is actually going on here. We prepared them for, we're preparing them for the economic breakdown, which we see the runaway inflation. I mean, I've been t- telling you this for years. This is where we're going. Now we're going there. The question is, are you headed to the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God? Are you going the way that Christ said to go? Are you still, I mean, who do you trust? How do you know who to trust? You just join a congregation, you trust everybody? No. Trust, who can trust you? Are you joining it for the purposes of Christ? Well, then you might become perfect. (laughs) At least that would be the direction you want to go in. And you will probably find people that are imperfect. But if you're finding people that are opening their eyes, great. Those scales are coming off, great. But you still have to trust in that Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit listeth where it will. So if you want to know, if you're really listening to the Holy Spirit, just check yourself against what Christ said to do and ask yourself, am I doing what Christ said to do? What what we see in the epistles. Are you gathering? Are you, yes, be, beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all... Speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions amongst you. That's, that's like gathering. <laughs> so, and, and, uh, and, and he goes on to say, join together in the same mind. 
So, and that mind of Christ is that we all want to care about one another as much as Christ cared about us. As much as we would, we want to care about you as much as, as, uh, as we know that Christ was teaching his apostles, where he would lay down his life for his apostles. He would lay down his life for you. Will you lay down your life for your fellow man in the name of Christ? Would you even gather together, take the time to gather together in the name of Christ? Take the time to uh, learn, you know, what, you know, I posted on that page links to uh, where you could fill out POAs. There's a number of them that are supposedly free. If you don't want to fill out those ones online because somebody's going to get information because you're going to be typing that in, and then they give you the printed out document. I they they say they're free, but I wouldn't be surprised that they charge. You can make it out for free, but you probably have to pay them something to get it. But I also showed links like in Oregon, the Oregon government puts up a form. You can just print that out and fill it out yourself. You can copy and paste it and make alterations. But anyway, we'll be right back to Keys to the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, what is, uh, what are we going to talk about? How do we know if we should trust somebody, if it's really the Holy Spirit? This is going to be a constant question, and we can walk around this subject over and over again. Uh, but ultimately, it's going to require repentance, and repentance is a changing of the mind. Now, people change their mind all the time, but you want a certain changing of the mind. You want to be changing the mind from what you were thinking before to what Christ was thinking, what Christ's mind consisted of. You want the mind of Christ in you. You want to be following, and of course, he's going to send you the Holy Spirit. That's the comforter that's going to guide you, which is... The tree of life. It is what is going to show you what is good and what is evil so that you will know. But you have to walk. You have to become a doer of the word. You have to walk in the faith of the word. And one of the things that we are constantly, and we said it right at the beginning of the show, that you should not be coveting your neighbor's goods through the men who exercise authority one over the other. That's one of the prime directives that Christ explained in, in reasonable detail to his apostles when he appointed them the kingdom or a kingdom let's say, put it that way it wasn't the kingdom the kingdom is under God it's the kingdom of God but Jesus actually appointed to the apostles a basilius a kingdom a, a government the church is a government it's actually one form of government even in the legal definition of the church but if I say the church is a government, a lot of people says, well, I don't want the church telling me what to do. Well, it can't. It's not supposed to. I mean, it can tell you what it thinks. The individuals who are a part of the church can tell you what they think you maybe should do. But we can't tell you. We cannot exercise authority one over the other. We're not that kind of government. We're one form of government. We can't force the contributions of the people. We can't tell them who to marry, who not to marry. I mean, we can decide whether, you know, if we think somebody shouldn't get married, we can say, I don't want to 
help you perform the ceremony. <laughs> but the state can do that. They're not very picky about it. But uh, they can also dissolve your marriage. We don't have the power to dissolve your marriage either. <laughs> we don't have the, the power to absolve sin. Only Only God can do that. I can forgive you what you do against me, but I can't. I can't. If you hurt that guy over there, he's got to forgive you. We don't have that kind of power because Christ said we're not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other. We're not to be that way. He said it in Matthew and Mark, Luke. He really said it in John. So, yeah, we're a government, but we're not that kind of government. Now, who do you go to for your welfare? If you go to the governments who exercise authority, then you're being like the governments who exercise authority one over the other. Christians shouldn't be doing that because that is the essence of a covetous practice. You desire benefits at the expense of your neighbor. That's not loving your neighbor. That's taking away the right of your neighbor to make choices. That's the taking away that first inalienable right given to man by God to make a choice. And, and when people take that right away from their neighbor, it is not going to be long before the same government takes that right of choice away from them. Because as you judge, so shall ye be judged. So all the problems we see today of taking away choices, making people wear masks, maybe, uh, you know, uh, um, people losing their job. I talked to several people in the last couple of days that are constantly under threat of losing, losing their jobs. People think, that well, now I've got an exemption and I think it will last. And now the Supreme Court has ruled that uh, they're, or not the Supreme Court, but a court has ruled that the, the, Forced vaccination mandates that the president, uh, uh, Mr. Biden, anyway, uh, don't stand, and so that we're that's a victory. No, that this is just all part of phase one and two or three. What about phases four, five, and six? <laughs> so, if we told you what to prepare for way back at the beginning of this, we're still telling you that that was not going to be the end of it. No, there's going to be more coming down the road. And if you weren't prepared for the first, you're not going to be prepared. Don't think you're winning any victories now. Go look at the price of gas. Go look at the price of food. Go see how much food. You can't get all kinds of stuff now. This is happening all across the board. You can't get materials. You can't get uh, things that you may think you need. So, you can get real panicky and fearful and go out and start stocking up you know like the the toilet paper people are they're still still stocked up for toilet paper and like i've always said when you run out of food you won't need toilet paper (laughs) so so the reality is is that you know phase two economy phase three food and they're overlapping uh but I'm not a doom and gloom guy. I'm preaching the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you were all sitting down, like I said, if all the Christians were doing what Christ said, we'd be great. We'd be the shining beacon on the hill. But all the people are not doing it. 
And they're not doing it because they've been sitting in darkness thinking they are Christians and they're actually not Christians. And this has all come about because of a very interesting psychological phenomenon. (laughs) You know, we talked about the uh, mass formation of psychosis, which is, you know, it's, it's mass hysteria, same thing. It's just somebody used, coined that phrase. Uh, and I talked about it before, you know, the meowing nuns, uh, the, you know, there were times, at different times throughout history, you can go back to medieval times where people, everybody in town just started dancing. And they danced all day long. They danced into the night until they just exhausted, dropped right where they were in the street. And the next morning they woke up and they started dancing again. It was kind of, it was mass hysteria. There are other forms, you know, that's somewhat innocent mass hysteria. But they actually had to tie people up to get them to stop. They, they completely could not stop. And it's part of that mass hysteria. Uh, that can happen. And in some places, a mass hysteria ended up being, uh, you know, there's, there's stories and, uh, they're, they're not as popularly told because I guess, unless you're Stephen King, because people were actually going around killing everybody. I mean, the Nazis and, uh, all the people that were locked up in prisons and died in prisons and died in work camps. And certainly thousands and, uh, I guess, millions died in these work camps from disease, from all kinds of different things. Uh, and, uh, you know, they went crazy in Germany. They went crazy in Austria. And when people tried to stand against it in a few places like Holland, um, there was a backlash. But if we were doing... What Christ said all along. Of all the people who say they're Christians were doing what Christ said all along. There would not be the grasp of this mass hysteria, this psychosis on the population. Because you just need a small percentage of people that are immune. I mean, this is what we're talking about. Herd immunity to mass psychosis. This is where you want to get to. But it's a voluntary thing. So I, I put a little piece on our page on cognitive dissonance, and I, I probably will work on it more. But I, I was struck by something, and I, I took the notes and put them in my phone, and then passed them over, and put them on the page. But this, uh, there's a, a thing called the psychology of extinction, it refers to this gradual weakening of a conditioned response that results in the behavior, either good or bad. Uh, decreasing and disappearing. So they're, what they're, right now we have this original reaction where everybody was, you know, have to wear a mask and you have to social distance and there were all kinds of people afraid. And there were some people that were resisting against this and said, well, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, you know, viruses can go through that mask. That's not going to stop anything. And it, the, even the people who were perpetrating this, supposed to be the authority, they were going back and forth. But it's certainly everybody sees there was a almost mass hysteria. And somebody sent me a meme the other day. It shows a guy laying in bed wearing a mask. And uh, his wife is, I guess, asking him if he, th- if he thinks that we uh, have uh, 
you know, this mass formation of psychosis and the guy responds to his mask supposedly that if if I had that, the government would tell me. <laughs> so somebody's under a strong delusion. But the reality is is that uh, there the certainly it was a hysteria. And now they're trying to roll it back. We heard in England is now taking away all these mandates and Ireland is taking away all these mandates. I guess Iceland had backed off on this. Holland had already backed on this. On this. Uh, so some people are like regaining their sobriety and uh, they're backing away. But again, that's only phase one. There's going to be more phases to this, whatever these guys are plotting. I mean, it's just... Historically, you just know it's it's going to take place, and it'll be the economy, it'll be food supply, it will be it will be wars and rumors of wars and all those kinds of things. We're not supposed to fear that, but we are supposed to be gathering together in the character and name of Christ. So this back to this extinction thing is this decrease in the strength of a learned behavior. Uh, when the conditioned stimulus is presented without the unconditional stimulus, you know, the, the reward, uh, then it begins to decrease. And and so certain things are wearing off. And I knew it would wear off. And I w- talked about it in other shows. And so when it really starts wearing off, then something else will take place. Some other wave of disaster will take place. Uh, so, the reality is, though, that this new normal was brought to you by the old normal. It didn't start with COVID. That we started getting away from the thing that allows us to make free choice. That allows us to gather as a strong people. And we've talked about that. Alexis Tocqueville drove through here and came on train and horseback and... Uh, and back in the 1830s and 40s and wrote these books into the 1850s talking about why America was great. And it was because America was good. America took care of all the social welfare through charity, through the churches, through faith, hope, and charity. And he warned, he wrote books about it, warning against legal charities, which is when the government starts to provide funds for the poor. He said that this would destroy society. And, of course, he didn't come up with the idea. He may not. I don't know if he ever read Polybius, but Polybius said that that destroys society. Plutarch said that that's what destroyed Rome. Is he who spread amongst them gifts, gratuities, and benefits. Well, that had already started long before COVID. And that is the real disease. And that is the the real psychological beginnings of this mass hysteria is with FDR. And of course, FDR didn't begin at all. It had already begun before FDR, but FDR really got it rolling because he's the one who established in the United States, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, established the Corbin of the Pharisees as a legal system of charity in the United States. Social Security is not insurance. You have no entitlement to any social security and payment, they don't have to keep paying you. They can stop paying you and still charge you. That, that's the law. We, we show you that in the articles. We show you that in the Supreme Court. And it's a contract. 
And because it's a contract, it's according to the Constitution. But of course, like we also show you that in Deuteronomy 17 and, and, and 6, 17, 16, they explain in the Bible what you should include in your Constitution. It tells you five things you need to put in your Constitution. And one of them is to never institute a system of Corbin that will make the Word of God the none effect, which is what we would call returning to the bondage of Egypt where a portion of your labor now belongs to the government and they take care of your welfare. That's the bondage of Egypt. And that's why it tells you in Deuteronomy to write that down in your constitution and read it to your leaders every day so that you're aware and they're aware that you never want to go back to the bondage of Egypt. Well, nobody was reading that. Nobody put it in the Constitution. Nobody in the churches were telling people that back in the 1930s. I mean, there were. There were priests and ministers and even rabbis who were coming out warning the people. But just like we were warning the people about the spike protein and the need for animal trials long before a vaccine was being produced, and we were just reiterating people like Dr. Suzuki at Georgetown University and others who said that it was absolutely essential that you have this because the real damage is done by the spike protein. And, of course, now everybody's getting vaccinated by a synthetic virus that gets your body to produce the spike protein. And so when you both get a shot, your kids are sick. we we got neighbors right here. Both parents got the shot and their kid's sick now. I don't know if she's going to die. Uh, but all the other stuff they feed her, that may be. They feed her all kinds of soy. She's already having her female cycles when she's 11 years old because of her diet. And she's overweight, uh, pre-diabetic. And now she's sick with what appears to be COVID because her parents are getting the shots. So, you know, go figure. You know, kids weren't getting this before everybody started getting the vaccine. And you said, well, that's COVID. No, it's it's vaccinosis. <laughs> so anyway, but we told people that. And a lot of people know. And a lot of people are avoiding it. And that we don't we don't just tell them. We, we quote the scientists. You know, like Malone. I put the, actually, on our numerous scientists at Preparing You, I think I have a link to the full video of Malone's testimony concerning child vaccines. So you can find it there as well. But you really should join the network. But what you want is this susceptibility to this hysteria, this susceptibility to being fooled, this susceptibility to the darkness to be extinct in your life. So this operation... See, what's happened is... The social bonds of a free society are now extinct in America because we've had almost a hundred years of legal charity of people. It wasn't complete at first, but more and more people go to the government for their welfare. And just like Paul said, just like David said, Thousands of years before Paul. So, I mean, you can go back almost 4,000 years. And, you know, David was saying, 
it before Polybius said it. That what should have been their table, what should have been for your welfare, has become a snare and a trap. And the reason they say a snare and a trap, well, in the snare and a trap, the same thing, is because it's it's not only going to bind you into a system of bondage, like it did in Egypt thousands of years before, but it will cripple you. It will debilitate you. It will degenerate the character of society until it finds once more a monarch and a king. The same principle. They're repeating it over and over again. You you have those social bonds of a free society where people actually care about their neighbor as much as they care about themselves has been extinguished in our modern society. So that when somebody's trapped in a hospital or somebody's losing their job or their business is being shut down, people get all upset and they they kind of fumble around and kind of come together sometimes and some people show up and some people don't. And I have to hire a lawyer because my neighbor won't come to my defense because nobody's attending to what Christ called the weightier matters. And nobody's doing all that because you're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ commanded. You're not already conditioned to be there for your neighbor. It doesn't do any good if you fill out a POA to protect you from being medically kidnapped if you've got nobody who will actually show up and get you out. If you have no place to take you Two, that will take care of you in a righteous way. So all those doctors out there who are waking up, all those nurses out there who are waking up, all those handymen out there who are waking up, need to start coming together. All you rich and poor alike need to start coming together in the character of Christ because the righteousness of Christ has become extinct in America because you've spent the last hundred years practicing legal charity. And like like we've said, you know, the black community was targeted uh, both by FDR. Uh, Margaret Sanger was going around already wanting to extinguish blacks, <laughs> wanted to make them extinct, wanted to get rid of them, and she was starting her abortion uh, Planned Parenthood and then eventually abortion clinics came out of that. Uh, but under LBJ and his war on poverty and his great society, he also targeted the black community that went from 3% single families in 1901 to 75% single families today. That just decimated the black community, which is why the black... It's not because they're black. (laughs) It doesn't have anything to do with race. It has to do with the social welfare system. That was They sent people into those communities to get people to sign up for social welfare, even though they didn't need it. They've done the same thing in the Mexican community now. And... 
truth, they do it now in the white community as well as the Asian community. And we see the numbers of single-parent families rising in all those demographics. I don't want to call them communities. Let's say the white demographics or the black demographics. Because a community really is people who are actually sharing communion. Sharing communion isn't sharing a crumb of bread that some priest supposedly blessed. Communion was, and we showed this when our study of of uh, Justin the Martyr, that it was sacks of loaves of bread <laughs> that was being distributed because it the church was the social, the entire social welfare. The pure religion means the entire social welfare of the communities of Christians that were gathered in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Modern Christians don't do that. They go to men who exercise authority directly contradicting the teachings of Christ. Doing the absolute opposite of what Christ said to do and not do. And their Corbin, their sacrifice, is for sacrifices that go to the government that exercises authority to distribute from their table a welfare that is both a snare and a trap debilitates the people and weakens them so that they they have no means to stand against tyranny. And the tyranny is coming. There's nothing I can do to stop that. But there's something you can do to be a... Your choice now is what side of this division of goats and sheep you want to be on. Do you want to be the sheep that follow Christ down to the shores of the Red Sea? Or you want to keep doing what you've been doing that got you into this mess to begin with. The Constitution is not your salvation. Nothing against the Constitution. I've explained that in free books that we have online, hundreds of articles and uh, and audios over and over again. And I, I show you that it's not a biblical document. It's not according to what the Bible says you should put in your Constitution. It doesn't have the five elements it barely has one, and the one element it does have, they don't pay attention to. And it has no meaning anymore in the context today. But the reality is, it's not your salvation. Getting the right president, you know, you can vote. I'm not telling you not to vote. Uh, I don't have the right to exercise that kind of authority. I'm telling you what works. And what works is you have to change the way you've been thinking in accordance with the way Christ said to think, you have to turn that thinking into action. You have to become a doer of the word. That includes gathering together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, some sort of a network, intimate, local network, connected all the way across with people who have to care about you as much as they care about themselves. If they're going to think like Christ. With people that are willing to sacrifice some of their own blood, sweat, and tears for other people they may not have ever even met. And and you have to attend to the weightier matters. The, what, why do I say weightier matters? Because Christ said weightier matters. The, the Pharisees were condemned because they weren't bearing fruit. They weren't bearing fruit because... They weren't doing what Christ said because the Corbin of the Pharisees, the sacrifice of the Pharisees was now like Social Security, a forced offering. 
And they were just getting farther and farther away from the righteousness of God. You've been doing the same thing. Time to repent and go back the other way. But we'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom after a brief break. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, uh, one of the things Christ said he would send the Comforter. But he had to go first so that the Comforter would come. Well, part of that was we were too dependent upon the presence of Christ, or the apostles were, that they needed to walk alone. It's it's just like a small child learning to walk. That uh, if you keep carrying him around all the time, he's not going to learn to walk. you got to put him down to let him learn to walk. And But this word comforter is actually is also translated advocate. In order for this advocate to come, and why does the advocate come after Christ go, and what is drawing him near us is that we are walking in the way. We are learning to walk in the way. And how do we get God to advocate for us is that we have to advocate for others. So that when somebody's business is getting shut down in our congregation, we have to come and stand by them. When somebody is getting uh, taken off to, like in Australia, they take them off to quarantine camp, we have we may have to hide them <laughs> uh, so that they don't get arrested. Uh, we have to create a refuge for them. For other people who, I mean, it could get to the point, I don't know if, you know, that they may continue this, uh, you know, there was some child just arrested or detained, let's put it that way, because they were unvaccinated and they were in a, a museum. And they couldn't prove that they were vaccinated. It was a child. I, I don't know how young they were, but this is the kind of nonsense you see. And people are, can't come into the restaurant because they're not vaccinated. This is New York places, which is, of course... There's a little more insanity in New York and California. And, of course, now there are people just pouring out of some of these places. But the fact is, is yeah, they're sane enough to leave there, but they're not necessarily sane enough to come here. <laughs> uh, so the reality is, is that we have, if we want God to advocate for us, we have to advocate for others. You see, as you judge, so shall you be judged. When you thought it was okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the power of government, then that gave power to the government to take away your goods, including your business and your job and your children. You know, on the book, The Covenants of the Gods, which I was trying to show people in that book, it's free online, but the cover of that is... Uh, a famous drawing that, uh, well, somewhat famous uh, drawing uh, of the Pied Piper of Hamlin, who eventually took all the people's children. And, you know, even though we know that kids don't hardly get COVID, and, you know, we don't, I haven't seen any kids getting COVID that aren't being exposed heavily to parents who have received the shot. Uh, you know, I, I have relatives, distant relatives or in-laws that have gotten the shot. And uh, some of them have been sick ever since. Uh, I know people who got COVID who are relatives. They got better and they're not sick. So what's the deal? How come almost, I, I know people in the hospital, uh, but they're fully vaccinated. 
I don't know hardly anybody unvaccinated who are going to the hospital sick. That's they still get colds once in a while. Uh, but so what's happening? Well, the reality is, is that I know a lot of people who say they believe in Jesus. But they're not doing what Jesus said. And they they have extinguished the social bonds. You know, the one fellow, his wife was put in the hospital. He couldn't come and visit her. Now, there are federal laws that you're supposed to be allowed to come every five days. But then they put all kinds of restrictions on you and you have to wear masks and all this kind of, depends on what hospitals other hospitals are not so crazy and I know of medical centers that can give you hospital like care better than some hospitals they don't do all this nonsense and you're a lot safer in those places but uh, you need to join the network and we need to find these places together and find these doctors together and find these refuges together and these communities together. Uh, I'm not going to just announce where they are on the air because we don't know if you should know where they are. <laughs> so, Because we don't know who you are. We don't know who to trust. I certainly don't trust everybody listening to this broadcast or this podcast if you're listening to it on the podcast. So, yeah, you have to, this is why you have to come together and do all those things I talked about at the beginning. And you have to advocate for one another. You have to be there for one another. You have to love one another if you want God to advocate for you and love you. I mean, God hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. He doesn't hate the Nicolaitans, but he's going to treat the Nicolaitans different than the people who are conforming to the ways of Christ. Uh, the, the, the foolish virgins, they got the door slammed in their face. And they kept knocking, but nobody would open up the door. And the guy who came without the wedding garments got thrown out, tied up, bound up and thrown out. So, yeah, Jesus loves you, but he there's tough love in the kingdom of God. So you need to love one another as he loved us. And that means you have to gather together with one another and become prepared for the unrighteousness of the world by adopting and conforming to the righteousness of God. And this is how the Comforter is drawn towards you and to you. is because you're walking, you're a doer of the Word, walking in the way of righteousness. So, one of the, there, there's, you, you want to be conforming to Christ, not conforming to the world. And conforming to the world is compliance. And it comes in several different forms. Compliance, and they talk about identification, uh, and, uh, internalization. So what does that mean? Compliance, uh, well, you know, I'm I'm not, you know, that's a big sign you see on people's shirt. I will not comply. And that's fine if you want to go that way. I have pulled the cloth mask over my face when people were having a fit. Because uh, the fact that, uh, uh, not here, but, you know, if you're in town, back when the hysteria was at its peak. and But I explained to them while I did it that this is not going to make you safe, you know. <laughs> 
And, uh, I mean, I, I informed them once that, oh, I've already had COVID. And they thought, like, oh, my gosh. And they, was, like, they had this, like, terrified look in their face. And I said, it's just a flu. And they like, you can't say that. That's a heresy. <laughs> you know? And it, it is just a flu, but it's not just a flu because I do believe, and we said this from the beginning, that somebody grafted in this spike protein. And it, it could have appeared naturally, but it doesn't appear. All the evidence is that it did not appear naturally. And that was early on. It, it didn't have to wait till Cruz said it. It was, it was early on. The, the science was there. The top scientists, guys with 10,000 sites to their name and all kinds of patents, they were saying this. But it was just not getting in the news because the mountains of Samaria didn't want you to know the truth. But some people knew there was something wrong because some people were listening to the Holy Spirit. But then we kind of spell it out for those people who are, so they can get more evidence and help them with their unbelief. But uh, what you really want to be doing is complying with Christ. And see, this is the problem. A lot of these people say they are Christians. They're not complying with Christ. Christ commanded that his disciples who became the ministers of the church he appointed the called out that he appointed a kingdom to they were to make the people sit down in the tens, fifties, hundreds and thousands so that they could have a daily ministration to take care of the needy of society through faith, open charity and not legal charity, not forced offerings, not the bondage of Egypt and if you would comply with Christ you would be in the process of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you would you would actually be identifying with the character of Christ and it would be manifested in your works. We would see it in your works. You just tell me you're born again. That doesn't mean anything. You can give me the date and the hour. It doesn't mean anything. Because James said to judge them according to their works and Revelation says they'll be judged according to their works. Doesn't mean that you're earning salvation, but it means that that's the evidence. That's the witness. That's your confession. So you can say you believe in Jesus and confess him with your lips only, but if your actions are telling me otherwise, then I know that those lips are just lying lips. Now, they may have lied to themselves. When Christ told all these many to get you from me, you workers of iniquity, they thought they were Christians. They thought they were following Christ. And he says, I don't know you. Because they didn't know him. The same as the Pharisees thought they knew Moses. They didn't know Moses. And so the last thing is this internalization. Is that, and this is what's happened with this mass hysteria, this psychosis. Is that, the fear grips you from inside and out. You're not just pulling up the mask to help out this person who's about to go into hysterics. Uh, or the, most of the, the only time I, well, I wouldn't say the only time, but most of the times that where I did, I hardly went to town. But uh, they were worried about OSHA coming in and finding them. And if they didn't ask me, I says, well, I'll tell them you'd ask me. <laughs> <laughs> but that guy was, he was about ready to have a coronary. 
And uh, so I calmed him down by putting it up. But I was explaining to him the whole time that you're not any safer. So the, the viruses go right. You know, and that, it, actually, when his deer in the headlight look showed up, he calmed down. <laughs> but he was just staring. He didn't know what to do. But, you know, in all those confrontations that's that we've had around the county, and I'm not the only one who's done it, I believe that that's part of the reason why we have the lowest vaccination rate in the whole entire state, uh, especially amongst children. It's because of the fact that we, you know, they, they're not all jumping on board, but we're, we're stilling the storm enough so that the people will kind of get a grip. And this is another reason why you have to get into a network is for the same reason that Christ sent them out two by two, you know, two, two ministers together, is that you, you're you going to need help with your unbelief. You're going to need that encouragement of others. You don't want to trust in that. You, again, you want to trust in the Holy Spirit and God. And those people who are coming in the name of God, they're not going to be making you dependent upon them. This is one of the things you see with a lot of modern pastors and rabbis is, they want to make you emotionally dependent upon them. I, I just was, when I was getting ready during the break for this next part of the show, I was pulling up some of uh, my old articles, uh, and we'll cover some of them in the afternoon show. But I have one, Emotional Socialism. I forgot I'd written that. <laughs> so, but there's kind of an emotional socialism where you you become dependent upon one another. That you you don't have strength unless you're in with that crowd. Well, the crowd wants you to become strong. They want us all to stand up on our own feet together. We don't want to make one another weak. We want to make one another strong. Because that was Sodom and Gomorrah in a time of affluence. They did not strengthen the poor. And we're all a little poor in that faith and strength of character that we need or we wouldn't be in this mess. But we want to continue to grow in that strength. And we want to extinguish the fear and and practice the forgiveness. Because that forgiveness will help extinguish the fear. We We want to... Uh, forgive those people who promised us benefits and are not. They're giving us bondage. But we want to practice charity. It's not enough to stop the covetous practice. Some people say, well, I'm not taking the benefit. So I'm free. No. You, you can't become free until you reverse the process where you create a network of charity where you care about others, where you advocate for others, where you you create a refuge for others, as if those others were yourself. If you're just up stocking up beans and ammunition in your cabin in the woods, you're not seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You're just seeking your own salvation. You're, you're trying to save yourself. That's not the character of Christ. Christ came that others might be saved. So you have to do the same thing. And that is how you extinguish the bonds, the bands which have connected you with this system of tyranny. 
This is how you heal the degeneration of your own soul that has turned so many people into perfect savages. This is the internalization of Christ in you. Because in that process, you start writing upon your heart and upon your mind. Or allowing Him to do that. Because, again, you can't just intellectually change your mind. Your mind must be changed by God. You you don't know Christ well enough to conform to Christ. I mean, we've given you an inkling. The, certainly the scriptures gives us an, uh, uh, an image of Christ, a view of Christ, a perception of Christ. But that's all coming from outside in. That's all coming to you by way of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Because I'm showing you, well... If you're coveting your neighbor's goods to the agency of men who exercise authority, that's evil. Peter calls it a covetous practice. That's that's evil. If you're engaged in covetous practices, that's evil. You're not born again. When you thought it was okay, that you're not born again. I'm not saying that you didn't have some awakening, some part of your aspect of your existence, of your soul, your life. But you weren't perfected in it. If you're still doing that, you're certainly not perfected in it. And that's that's what you have to strive for. And the fact is, is that when if you don't take the next step in that direction, you're going to backslide. You're, you're going to fall away from Christ. I've seen this time and time again. People, they see the truth, they see this truth, they see that truth, and then they come to a wall and they're just not going to see the next truth. You don't stay stagnant. This is not a stagnant universe. You will fall back. You will decay. You will degenerate. You must continue. Because like I said, the journey is the destination. You're not going to get to the kingdom of heaven because you work really hard at it. You're not going to get salvation because you earn it. It's because you seek it. And you're willing to make the sacrifices necessary for that seeking of the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So, we need to get some of those fundamental values of the kingdom. We can memorize those. We can put them in our minds intellectually and then ask ourselves, are we really conforming to Christ? Are we really doers of the word? We know that social security and welfare by the government and the legal charity provided by government, the national insurance provided by government, by men who exercise authority. We know that is not the righteousness of God. Uh, and so, if we're seeking the righteousness of God, we should be seeking a system of social welfare through charity. There's no way to do that unless we come together. And the wisest way to come together is the way that Christ said, the way that Moses said, is to gather in small groups and connect those groups and and create the bonds of that connection. You know, when Galatia sent funds to Corinth and, and Jerusalem, bonds were created. And those people, they knew where those funds came from. 
And when mass amounts of population had to move around in order to survive in a country that was suffering from mass formation of psychosis <laughs> and uh, the subsequent decay of the economy, the runaway inflation, we explained all that. Rome was having this runaway inflation. And uh, they didn't even do as many bad things as we have done. We've done far worse in that area than uh, Rome did. But we're finding ourselves in that same pattern. And I tell you, when I look at it, there's no hope. When I look at it with my intellectual mind, my uh, knowledge of history, my understanding of economics, I took economics way back, uh, you know, more than 50 years ago, way more than 50 years ago. And I remember, I remember some of those classes, you know, and I would bring up, you know, we're going through all these economic theorems. And, uh, they were, they were saying this theorem and this means this and this theorem and this means that and then this means that you have a successful economy and I raised my hand and I said if this theorem is true and this theorem is true, the, the meter by which you, which is the gross national product that you're gauging the success of the economy is actually you can't tell if the economy is a success based on the gross national product because the gross national product is based on something that is not a value, which is a Federal Reserve note. The amount of Federal Reserve notes exchange. Because <laughs> you're going to see the gross national product skyrocket <laughs> in America. because But it isn't because more products are being sold because less will be sold, but they cost twice as much. A local restaurant was just showing what we paid for grease, what we paid for, you know, cooking oil, what we paid for shrimp, what we paid for steaks. And the prices had, in some cases, had tripled from what they paid months ago. Well, uh, and then, you know, what what's happening in the economy? I mean, it's already, the avalanche has begun. You know, and now either you ski harder, <laughs> so you stay ahead of the avalanche, or you get out of the way of the avalanche, and the kingdom is out of the way of the avalanche. So seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Go another way. Don't go the same way of the avalanche. Go another way. Get out of the way. <laughs> And that way, of course, is the way of Christ. We have a whole article on that where you can look up the way of Christ. One of the problems is a lot of people go to church for justification. They make a lot of choices because of justification. We're not supposed to be seeking justification. We're supposed to be seeking righteousness. We're supposed to have faith in the righteousness of God. We're supposed to have faith in the way of God, in the character of God, in the character of Christ. And if we seek that, Everything else will be provided. And I've given you a glimpse of some of those things that would be provided. You will see people with medical skills, economic skills, mechanical skills, uh, people who, you know, rich and poor, start coming together. Is you literally create a nation within a nation. We've talked about that, whether in, in Bulgaria and, and, uh, 
Malaysia, and all parts of the world, there are groups of people that create micro-economies, micro-governments, voluntary governments. Like the church is a voluntary government. It doesn't have anybody exercising authority. It's everybody takes back their responsibilities. Because you cannot get your rights back if you don't take your responsibilities back. People think, well, we go back to the Constitution and we'll have our rights back. Well, you got to go back to 1830. <laughs> you can't just go back and say, we're going to put the... Because the contract clause of the Constitution, the government has too much power. It's not going to give its power up. Again, the Constitution is not your salvation. That's delusional thinking. It's not... It, Actually, it's been instrumental in bringing about the problem, although I'm not going to say it is the problem. The problem is the fact that we're not, we do not have the social values, the social virtues. We do not exercise them. We don't even know how to exercise them. Uh, somebody mentioned militia. Uh, actually, somebody has suggested that the person who mentioned it is actually a government informant. <laughs> so, which could be, that's often the case. But, uh, you don't, you need this, like I said, the original militia was building schools, building roads, building libraries. That's what you need to do. Anyway, we're out of time, so until then, peace on your house, and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.